armed with those tools, let's look at some practicalities of risk management. First, the notion of resilience. Now, resilience is a concept concerned fundamentally with how a business, in this case, can deal with disturbance, surprise or change. It's defined as the ability of a business to anticipate, absorb, accommodate or recover from the effects of a shock or a stress in a timely and efficient manner. And it's worth noting it's framing much of the current thinking about sustainable futures in an environment of growing risk and uncertainty. A PwC notes that risk resilience has become a really hot boardroom topic. Demographic changes and the economic shocks, environmental issues and technological advances have been driving this. They all represent major risks to your business, whether financially, operationally, ethically or reputationally. The challenge is to identify the ones you're most vulnerable to and mitigate them effectively. Now, if we look at the types of risk resilience, there are two stages to becoming more resilient to risk. First, identifying emerging risks. All businesses should have a deep understanding of all the major risks they're vulnerable to. And second, managing risks more effectively. Businesses also need to evaluate the effectiveness of their current risk management strategy to ensure that they remain robust, relevant and meet the changing needs of the regulators. The most successful organisations are the ones that understand the risks they face and can articulate their risk appetite and define their risk strategy accordingly. Because it means better decision making, greater agility and a sharper competitive edge. It demonstrates good business management. Now another practicality could be redundancy. Effective risk managers deploy redundancy as a powerful tool. And here are some common uses of redundancy in risk management. For example, the segregation of duties. Also called the separation of duties. Contracts with multiple suppliers for key components. That is, as long as they don't all rely on the same end manufacturer. Electronic signage board or messaging systems within the factory. Cross-training of employees. Two-factor authentication for access to secure systems. The storage of excess inventory or stock. Anonymous tip reporting systems. Backup systems. And simply alternative ways to exit a facility. You can see how wide and varied these can be. Of course, not all redundancy is productive. Unless they serve a present or future purpose, Duplicating components, steps or functions are legitimate targets in the quest to reduce waste and streamline complex systems and business operations. As a risk manager knows, there are rarely a single risk and challenges often weigh the risk against its shadow or its impact. The importance here is which matters more. For example, to protect a secure entry or to increase accessibility to assess confidentiality of records, or to demonstrate transparency, to protect workers' safety on the job, or to spare them from cumbersome new protocols. It's not as straightforward as we'd like to think understanding risk. And to manage risk is to balance risk. The skilled use of redundancy has much to offer, but like any other approach, it works only when benefits outweigh the cost. So the next practical tool as crisis comes, one of the eventualities of running a business is facing a crisis situation. 
Crisis can take many forms, but effective management of any situation requires preparation and planning. To effectively plan for a crisis, you need a risk assessment to identify and prioritise the areas of greatest vulnerability within your business or organisation. And to manage the impact of such events effectively, proactive preparation is vital. To contribute to a proactive approach, the risk assessment process needs to consider such attributes as the velocity or speed of impact of an event, i.e., does it smolder for an extended period of time, or is it sudden, and can the loss of a critical component of the value chain occur without warning? Second, the persistence of the impact of the event, i.e., the duration of time it affects the organisation, including the related headline effect. And third, the resiliency of the company in responding to that event. The likelihood of occurrence may be as relevant as the factors cited above in evaluating exposure to catastrophic events and the enterprise's or the business's response readiness. Sooner or later, every company faces a crisis. Even the most effective risk management cannot prevent this exposure. And as a crisis event is a severe manifestation of risk, crisis management preparation is a natural follow-on to a risk assessment. The risk assessment process should be designed to identify areas where preparedness is critical. For example, it's possible that the consequences of some identified risk areas may be preventable through improvements to operating processes. In other areas, or in other risk areas, it may be necessary to evaluate alternative responses and the best case stroke worst case scenario to formulate a response plan in the cool of the day rather than the heat of the moment of the event when you're staring down the barrel of the gun. To improve response readiness to a crisis, management should form a rapid response crisis communications team consisting of representatives from across the company. And this is important to ensure that there's different perspectives on the crisis. For example, the finance department versus the marketing department. The rapid response team should formulate a crisis management plan, ensure it's updated and tested periodically, and supported by a communications plan complete with appropriate holding statements prepared with the assistance of maybe a public relations team and pre-approved by your lawyers, if necessary. Key internal and external stakeholders who matter most to the organisation should be identified and a reliable system should be in place to notify them when a crisis emerges. Early preparation improves an organisation's response or ability to respond to a crisis. It reduces the damage to a company's brand image and reputation and it can minimise regulatory sanction, penalties and fines. But don't despair, there are plenty of professionals who can help you, your lawyers and crisis comms experts. But the first step is to carry out the risk assessment. The next practical tool, insurance. We've mentioned it earlier. Risk management is a broad topic and it involves taking steps to minimise the likelihood of things going wrong. You can think about it as loss control. It can involve the purchasing of insurance to reduce the financial impact when, despite your best efforts, bad things happen. Risk management provides a clear and structured approach to identifying risks. Having an effective and operational risk management practice shows an insurer that your organisation is committed to loss reduction or prevention and can reduce costs accordingly. Insurance itself, as I've already mentioned, is a legal contract that protects people from financial losses. It transfers financial risk. The end result, insurers will pay for damages if the insured risk occurs. However, insurance cannot remove the risk itself. 
It's therefore easy to perceive insurance as a cost. In reality, it's probably one of the biggest value adds to a business. Devastating events such as natural disasters can single-handedly bring a business to its end, quickly and without any prior warning. With insurance, you can effectively minimise the damage caused by these unforeseen events, which in some instances can mean saving a company from having to close its doors. It has a tremendous amount of value. However, many small businesses and young companies are often underinsured. One of the biggest lapses is in the area of business interruption insurance. But as recent events will attest, you must read the small print. Using a broker can help. For young businesses, insurance should be a crucial cornerstone in risk management because it brings so much to the table, including one, the protection from financial loss. For young businesses, a multitude of things can go wrong, from natural disaster to theft and burglary. Insurance can be a key tool in preventing financial loss in the early stages of the game, when the companies have small budgets. Even having to pay for a new laptop because a thief stole one from the office can be devastating. Two, better reputation. New businesses are always looking for financial support, whether it's from angel investors or banks. Having insurance reflects well on the company and makes the owner look responsible, which can help secure that necessary loan or investment. And three, it improves liability. General liability insurance protects entrepreneurs against unforeseen everyday threats, whether it's someone slipping on the floor or getting their fingers jammed in the door on their way out. There are only so many things business can prepare for and liability insurance helps entrepreneurs prepare for the rest. It's worth noting the only type of business insurance that is mandatory under UK law are the employer's liability cover, which is a legal requirement for most businesses that employ staff, even on a casual basis. However, you may find that regulators require you to have certain types of insurance in order to operate. This effectively means that those insurances will be mandatory for particular professions. But there are other policies you might want to consider. For example, public liability insurance. Public liability insurance is one of the most popular policies for small businesses, as it covers you for claims against you by members of the public. Accidents happen, but if you or one of your team accidentally causes injury or property damage to a member of the public, your business could face a hefty legal fee and compensation costs running into the millions. This is where public liability is so important picking up the bill and keeping your business up and running. It's also worth noting that your clients and suppliers may request it as a condition of you working for them, so it's critical cover in more ways than one. Then there's content or portable equipment insurance. Every business has technology, equipment or other physical belongings that they rely on, without which your whole business could grind to a halt. Content's cover is designed to keep the show on the road, whatever happens by protecting your physical bits and bobs in the case of theft, fire, flooding, loss or damage, so you don't have to foot the bill of expensive replacements. As the name suggests, portable equipment insurance is all the stuff you take out and about with you, including smartphones, laptops, tablets and cameras. In contrast, standard cover is for everything you keep on site, such as your furniture, the fit-out and the fixed equipment. And then there's professional indemnity insurance, PI. PI is designed for those businesses who offer a professional service or advice. It will cover you if you make a mistake or if a client suffers or claims to suffer a financial loss as a result of your work, picking up the bill for any legal and compensation costs. 
And as with public liability, some of your customers are likely to insist upon professional indemnity, so it could even help with your new business. Something less common is director and officer liability insurance, sometimes referred to DNO. Any business founder or director should seriously consider investing in director and officer cover, also known as management liability insurance. Rather than protecting the business as a whole, DNO protects the individuals who have management responsibilities in the business and it covers them for any claims against them personally, including breaching health and safety laws, misadministration of the company, or errors in financial reporting. In these situations, the penalties can be significant, including fines, disqualification, or even a prison sentence. DNO will help you defend your corner while covering legal and compensation costs. This is a key one to have if you're seeking investment, as investors are likely to ask if you're covered. There are a few points to watch out for when purchasing management liability cover, particularly if you're a startup. Many policies do not cover businesses for insolvency, which is one of the biggest risks facing an early stage business, so make sure you find one that does. You should also look for a policy that includes claims made by large shareholders who have more than 15% of the business, or you could find you're not covered for certain claims. Now, something else that's growing in importance, cyber liability insurance. Cybercrime has fast emerged as one of the biggest risks facing businesses of all sizes, particularly as the data mounting continues to grow. Cyber liability cover is designed to mitigate that risk by covering businesses for data breaches and cyber attacks and all the damage that they can inflict. In the event that you're hit, cyber insurance will cover any legal claims, compensation costs and fines under GDPR where legally insurable. In some cases, it can provide fast response planning, including legal, IT, PR and customer service support. You then might want to look at business building insurance. Whether you work from home or have a separate business premises, such as a shop, an office or a pub, business building insurance should be a priority. If you rent the premises, make sure that you check with the landlord to see that what's already covered. You might want to consider stock insurance if you hold any stock whether on your premises or in storage, stock insurance will cover the cost of replacement if it's damaged, destroyed or stolen. Another one is product liability insurance. Product liability insurance protects you should a customer of yours suffer damage as a result of a faulty product you provide. And it's worth noting, you may be liable for damage even if you didn't manufacture the product. Next, business interruption insurance. If your business is interrupted by material damage caused by events such as a flood or a fire, Business interruption insurance provides you with the financial cover you need to get back on your feet. For example, if a fire destroys the contents of your business premises, business insurance would cover you for the consequential losses of revenue as long as your contents are also insured. This raises a question. Many insurance policies for business interruption under COVID are not paying out. This is seen as an act of God and outside the policy, so please be mindful and make sure you read the small print. And finally, business legal protection insurance. Business legal protection insurance, also known as business legal expenses insurance, covers your commercial legal expenses and provides protection against the potential costs of any legal action brought against you or against your business, which could be useful to minimise risks within the business, depending on the nature of your business and the sector that you operate in. Now, there are many, many more insurance policies out there. And once you become aware of a risk or identify a risk in your business, it's worth speaking to a broker to see whether there's a possibility to cover that risk. 
But while ensuring some of these risks may be essential for your business, it should be seen as no more than a backup to an ongoing risk management process. Because I've already mentioned, insurance doesn't actually take away the risk, it just softens the blow. Now something else you might want to consider is certification. ISO 31000 is an international standard that was published in 2009 and provides principles and guidelines for effective risk management. It outlines a generic approach to risk management which can be applied to different types of risk, for example, financial, safety or project risks, and it can be used by any type of organisation. The standard is structured into principles, 11 attributes of risk management, a framework of five components, which include mandate, plan, implementation, check and improvement, and process, which includes communication and consultation, context, risk assessment, treatment and monitoring. The standard itself can be downloaded at the ISO website, iso.org. But it's worth noting that ISO 31000 2018 Risk Management Guidelines provide principles, a framework and a process for managing risk. It can be used by any organisation regardless of the size, sector or activity. And in using this ISO, it can help the organisation to increase the likelihood of achieving objectives, improve the identification of opportunities and threats, and effectively allocate and use resources for risk treatment. However, the ISO 31218 cannot be used for certification processes or purposes, but does provide guidance for internal and external auditing programmes. Organisations using it can compare their risk management practices with an internationally recognised benchmark providing sound principles for effective management and corporate governance. Where ISO 31218 covers risk management, the 2009 covers risk assessment. 